Hello and welcome to the Spectator's Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency in 2017. I'm Freddie Gray and I'm Deputy Editor of The Spectator. I'm joined today by Jacob Halbrun, who is Editor of The National Interest, and we're talking about whether Donald Trump is totally paralysed at home and abroad. Jacob, Donald Trump, or T as he now refers to himself on Twitter, suffered quite a dramatic setback yesterday on his healthcare bill. And it's led a lot of commentators in America to ask, is he actually capable of passing any major legislation? Or is his presidency completely hamstrung? What do you think? The two are actually different questions. First, is he capable of passing major legislation? The answer is he's got a compiled a perfect batting average of zero. Mm. He's gotten, in comparison to previous modern presidents, his record is nugatory. Mm. And what it displays is that when you have a president who is unfamiliar, if not oblivious, to what is in the actual legislation, he is unable to persuade or threaten senators from his own party to support any legislation. That's been a key component in the past, whether it's Lyndon Johnson, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, even Barack Obama. You have to be able to persuade legislators to support your legislation. You have to be able to go out in public, deliver speeches, town hall meetings, hold press conferences where you can at least display some familiarity with the legislation. Trump has none of that. He this bill could have contained the very opposite proposals, and he still would have endorsed it. Yes. He wanted the spectacle, the theater of signing legit major legislation, not the substance of it. Now, is he hamstrung? No, he still has a lot of authority, obviously, in foreign affairs. He can roll back regulations. Uh, he's just not going to get much out of Congress. But I mean, I think there's a couple of immigration pieces of immigration legislation that he's hoping might sort of stamp his authority as a, a president who gets things done coming up. Maybe, but they're totally bollocks up with it. It is similar in some ways to the uh, early Obama administration in that health care seems to be absorbing all of their attention. And there's really very little talk of other legislation. In fact, they have looming. Uh, they have to raise the debt ceiling, yeah. presumably before August, which is going to be very difficult. So I am not persuaded that Trump is really going to get much of significance accomplished. On the other hand, it is a showbiz presidency, and he could campaign against Washington, though it's a little tricky since he does have a Republican Congress, it makes it a little harder to blame everything on the on what he likes to call the obstructionists mm. in Congress. But for example, Freddie, look, what did Trump do today? Did he come out in the White House and say and deliver a little talk or address the press corps and say, my administration stands behind a health care bill. We're going to move ahead in some fashion or other. He did none of that. No. He has spent this entire morning sending out frantic tweets denouncing the Washington Post, New York Times, and CNN as fake news about Russia. The yeah. reason he's, and he said that the Washington Post, which is owned by Amazon, is not paying, it, that Amazon isn't paying its taxes, which it actually is. 
but the, the crazy thing about it is because the Washington Post exposed that he has fake Time magazine covers from two nine, 2009 at his cl- clubhouses, including in Mar-a-Lago, yeah. Trump went into a rage and has been, been tweeting constantly about this today. This is not a president who is focused on legislation. He is having a good time. Well, I, I suppose in the, in the small and increasingly deranged set of people who have a theory that Trump knows what he's doing, the idea is that Trump knows that Russia, while it obsesses and drives the Democrats crazy, doesn't seem to bother the American people that much. And that it's all a sort of glorious distraction that enables him to get on with doing whatever he's going to do. To, but but what you're saying, I think, is that it seems Trump is as obsessed with Russia as the Democrats are. And he sees his own presidency through the lens of, is he going to get pinned on Russia or not? It's, it, it is very peculiar because much of the Russian Russia investigation, including the special counsel, Robert Mueller, all of these things have been triggered by Trump's own maneuverings. And Trump Every morning at 6.30 a.m., he has a call with his lawyers who try to talk him off the ledge yeah. about Russia, about the Russia investigation. But he simply will not listen to his advisors or his lawyers. He is convinced that because he won the presidency, he is gifted with insights that no other mortals possess. Does this mean then, and I ask you this not as a, you know, you're not a sort of democratic Trump hater as such. Does this mean that he's, you can talk realistically about whether he's actually gone mad? Well, I don't know if he's any any more bonkers, to use your favorite word, Freddie, uh, <laughs> than, than he was during the campaign. Yeah. Um, but the people do say, I mean, his his friends, you do read the quotes in the paper that say that his friends are worried that he's that he's been gaining weight, that he has bags under his eyes from sleeplessness. Apparently, during meetings at the White House, he will just offer complete non sequiturs about Russia. Mm. He uh, he is absolutely fixated with Russia. And, you know, he has Mueller rooting around in his financial records and Maybe he is worried less about the prospect of collusion than that money laundering would be revealed from the 1990s. I mean, it's 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 all speculation on my part. But why is he so obsessed with Russia, which should be, from his perspective, a marginal matter? Well, that brings us back to something you said earlier, which is the one area where he might still have his domestic agenda is seems to be all over the place. The one area where he still seems to exert some authority because of his decisiveness or apparent decisiveness is foreign policy. How much are we going to see him become a foreign policy president? Well, he's certainly moving in that direction. And uh, he is apparently listening to quite bellicose voices on Russia, Iran, North Korea and China. He's inching towards a confrontation with Russia and Syria. Mm. Uh, His generals want to slap down the Iranians in Syria. Uh, He is apparently, his advisors are listening to the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies, a neoconservative organization in Washington, D.C., that has drawn up uh, a program of regime change in Iran. 
Mm. Uh, he's taking a very hard line in North Korea. And the administration apparently is changing its tone on China as well. The question is, if you saw the, the Pew poll, apparently America's popularity around the world has simply plunged under Trump. Are we going to become what Francis Fukuyama once said in Israel writ large, a, a nation that really has almost no allies and that becomes a kind of militarized Sparta? Yeah. I mean, how many enemies can we fight at the same time? Well, I would say that that survey that was released this week about Trump's popularity did show very interesting, huge support for him in the Philippines. And in Russia. And in Russia and in quite a lot, lot, large parts of Africa, too. Mm-hmm. I suppose these are all areas where Trump's foreign policy doesn't really affect how the world works. Well, you know, if you think that the Philippines is a more valuable partner than China, I suppose that's a novel approach to foreign policy. It's progress. Yeah. The unpredictability that Trump promised. Let's go back to the Trump Syria thing this week. I mean, so the statement about the you know evidence that Assad is preparing another chemical attack. I don't think you need to be quite as skeptical as me about Assad's chemical attacks to think that there's something a bit fishy about it, and particularly the timing. What do you think? Well, I think it's all very peculiar. We simply don't know. The strange thing is, why wouldn't they have used the back channel yeah. to uh, to talk with the Russians and and the Syrians? Why the overt threats? And in fact, and in fact, quite a few defense Depart- department defense sources said they had no idea this was coming. Right. Right. Exactly. But so, uh, what do you think is the thinking there behind it? Why would Trump be saying that now? Um, no one knows because the State Department, there were reports with senior State Department officials who weren't even aware of what the White House was doing. Yeah, uh, It's an administration, let's not forget, in chaos. Now, maybe I, I'm purely speculating here because we don't know. It's possible that, that the H.R. McMaster wanted to set down a marker in Syria. Mm. We're, we're all perplexed uh, at the National Interest website. We've, we've been running pieces saying that the Trump administration is sliding into the very wider war in Syria that everyone thought Hillary Clinton would promote if she were elected president. Yeah. The other part part of it is that there doesn't appear to be a plan for what happens after ISIS is defeated. Are we simply going to is 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 will Russia and Assad become more powerful thanks to our efforts to defeat ISIS? I mean, we it all seems to be up in the air. Could it be as simple as the the one bit of really positive international PR Trump has got was when he drew the red line over chemical weapons with Assad, supposedly, and attacked Assad for having used chemical weapons? Could it be that they think that was some way that was a that was a win for us? Let's try it again. It's possible, though. You know, the more they go to that well, the the less persuasive it looks, mm. uh, and it really does raise the possibility of an accidental confrontation with Russia. Mm. What if, you know, we either get into entanglement with Russian planes or soldiers on the ground, we killed some accidentally. I think that this is, you know, many people, some people in Washington wonder if this isn't the catalyst for a wider conflict. Mm. And Russia has taken a very tough line rhetorically against the United States and Syria. And then on top of that, you've got this interesting Qatar-Saudi Arabia dynamic of the Saudi Arabia trips seem to go very well 
in terms of between Saudi Arabia and Trump. But then yesterday, Rex Tillerson met uh, the foreign minister of Qatar, and there seems to be a switch from the administration's view of what Qatar is like to a much more pro-Qatari position. Well, you need to be careful because there are two wings. There's Trump, who is cozying up to Saudi Arabia, Mm. and then Mattis and Tillerson have staked out a pro-Qatar line because of our base there. I don't even believe that Trump knew that we had the base there. So Yes, I've heard that I've heard that said. I mean that is quite staggering in itself if Trump didn't know and he was just mouthing off without realizing that the key American military base was was in Qatar. Eminently plausible. I mean the man really doesn't know very much. He's a he's he is a a brilliant brand salesman. Mm. Uh his whole presidency has careened off in, in a direction that I myself actually didn't anticipate. When he came into office, I thought he would be shrewd enough to triangulate between the Republicans and Democrats. And mm. I didn't realize that he would move so quickly to the hard right. Mm. And it seems to have resulted in just paralysis. Uh, and, the, and the Middle East is another example. Why is Trump cozying up to Saudi Arabia? What's in it for the United States? They're one of the chief promoters of terrorism around the world. Well, the, the, heart, the huge arms deal that Jared Kushner negotiated the week before he came out, presumably. There were, it's, the, the, uh, that arms deal is fake news, Freddie. Is it? There, there was a good analysis of it by Bruce Riedel, a former uh, CIA analyst in foreign, mag- foreign policy magazine that was absolutely crushing. First of all, the Saudis made no commitments, and what they did agree to had already been transacted under the Obama administration. Yeah. So I, th- there, there is no sign that the Saudis are actually going to follow through on that arms deal. But you don't think that Kushner and Trump believe that they would? Eh, you know, they may have hoped they would. I mean, Jared was supposed to uh, negotiate Middle East peace, and now Trump is already saying after one meeting with Abbas went badly between Jared Kushner uh, and the Palestinians that maybe they're they're just going to give up on it. <laughs> I mean, you really can't. The problem with analyzing the the Trump administration in the classical terms is that it it doesn't really work. Mm. We need to look at it more as as a as a sort of reality television show i mean it's it's complete lunacy i mean what you're painting aside from the lunacy you're painting a picture of a president who's hamstrung or or paralyzed at home and paralyzed but increasingly erratic abroad yeah the danger really is that as as it dawns upon trump that his administration is in crisis he never he he never blames himself i mean if you saw that cabinet meeting where he had them all hail him as though he were some sort of a leader in North Korea. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you saw that footage where did, he yeah. went around and they, they all had to uh, talk about how grateful and thankful they were to be able to work under such a, a, a prominent leader. Yeah. Um, Trump will never take responsibility or, or for, for any of these fiascos. He will lash out at his subordinates. And you, you could see a kind of people have predicting, been predicting a night of the long knives uh, at the White House, that he will purge his staff and start over. But the, the real key thing is that Trump has an inability to focus on policy and gyrates in all these different directions. So 
here we are. Whether, whether, whether this is going, I doubt that, you know, you can't impeach a president uh, simply for being unpopular or, or running a chaotic administration, as far as I know. I mean, they, they, I think we are. Or it could be done under the 25th Amendment. I doubt that at this point, the Republican Congress has the, the appetite for uh, going after Trump. And it must be said that his base remains solid. Yeah. It, it, while there is some erosion, Trump has managed through his, through his attacks on the media and so forth, he is retaining a base and he tries to use that base as a cudgel. The cudgel works more effectively, again, in the House of Representatives, where the legislators are elected every two years and have to be much more fearful of being ousted than against senators who represent an entire state. Yeah. Well, Jacob, uh, fascinating to talk to you as always, albeit slightly more terrifying this time, I think. Well, you know, Freddie, I take whenever I feel bad about the United States, then I open up the British press and look at what's going on with Theresa May. It makes me feel somewhat comforted to see that you're almost in as great chaos as we are. We are competing in the chaos stakes. There's no doubt about that. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks. Just a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast anytime on iTunes. So please do. (laughs) 